So I'm going to do something that's uh, not in the textbook for um, good church planting and um, right now, and that is uh, reference the number of people in the room. So there, there are <laughs> already people are like, so I, I just want to, for some people, it could be an elephant in the room. If for others, it's like, oh, well, it's a small church. I want to say this, that, uh, that, the num- that when you're planting a church as we are here, um, it is the faith of the people that is the, it's the greatest um, resource of a church. It's the greatest commodity that we have. It is more so than the finances of the church, more so than the human resource and the stuff, as important as signage is, Thaddeus. Um, it, it's the faith. And I'm not just saying that to sound, uh, honestly, when Jesus finds faith in the earth, there is no end to what he can do in, in a community. And so I want to commend the faith that exists here, but also let's never, never, ever look at the number of people in front of you as an indication of is this thing working or Jesus has purposed this church. He's with us. So keep your focus and your worship on him. And it's not about getting to the end goal or the destination. Actually, it's about following him. We already have everything that we need. He is our goal. He is our prize. But the fact of the matter is, as we seek him, draw close to him, find him, he leads us into the fulfillment of his purposes and promises. So having said that, can we pray to that same Jesus and uh, make big space to hear what he wants to say? So, Lord, we do thank you. You said, on this rock, I will build my church. And Jesus, we want to recognize you are building your church, and you are here. You are here presencing yourself amongst us. You're here inside of us. Lord, we honor you. And Lord, we don't want to just go through the motions of yet another church service. Lord, we we do say we need you. We thank you for the times that you have presenced yourself amongst us already, revealed yourself. But Lord, we, we do want you. Nothing more. We're not wanting all this stuff. We, we want you. We want your stuff. So Lord, the same ministry that you did 2,000 years ago, that is what we are praying as a church body. Use us to do that. Live through us, we pray. Speak to us that our lives would be totally consumed by you and that heaven could manifest here in the earth without, without, um, without any obstacle whatsoever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we are going through a, a kind of several weeks where we're speaking into, and I like to look at it as driving stakes in the ground, uh, as we're kind of pioneering these early days of, of this exciting church plant of the key values that we are building on into the future. So if you want to look at it this way, it's almost like we're ripping out our, our, our chest wide open so that It can be seen and known amongst those that God has called to build in this church, see and know what are the key values of the kingdom of God, but this specific church. And so how many of you know, again, the the scriptures refer to the church as the body of Christ. And in the body of Christ, or in any body, there are different parts. Am am I right? There's, I have, as you're looking at me right now, a shoulder, I've got a neck, I've got a collarbone, I've got hips, I've got various parts, right? And each part does a different, different, a different function. And so it's not to say that what we are going through are, is 
is the way to do church, because there is no one way to do church or one key value. It's what God has called this church to walk in. Why is that important? Because if God has called you to be a part of this, we are going to be walking on these foundation stones into our glorious future together. And so to allow these things to get into our hearts and to penetrate and become who we are together so that we can share this with the rest of our community. Sounds good? So we've talked about things like the centrality of Christ. Now that sounds very sermon-esque, you know, the centrality of Christ um, that, that we learned in Bible school about the centrality of Christ. Well, no, it's, it's a lot more than just some kind of wordy, sermony kind of thing. That's like Jesus is everything. And we unashamedly want to live in the reality that Jesus is our everything. He's our, he's our beginning, he's our end, he's everything in between. Jesus, the person, not the concept, the person, him. Uh, we talked about relationship with God, that everything that actually the gospel is about ultimately is about relationship with God. And then we talked about community, relationship with, with each other, and, uh, and some of the realities pertaining to that. My wife did an incredible job, I think, last week, talking about the role of the Word of God. That's a value of how we build. Um, and I know, yeah, it's a value of, of, of uh, we're not here preaching our thing. We only have authority to speak if we can say, this is what God has said. How do we know? His Word. <laughs> it's like simple concept, right? That's a value of ours. We're not interested in the latest and greatest thing that you Googled from some dude on, you know, who, who's rejected church and is living in his mom's basement and has some theory about how to do whatever. You know what I'm saying? Sorry if you can tell I'm a little irritated by that stuff. Uh, we, we haven't left the role of, 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 the, of the word of God. And secondarily, what we were going to get into just now is the role of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about when I say this, but there have been some churches who perhaps, arguably, have done some things in the name of the Holy Spirit that didn't really give the Holy Spirit a very good name. <laughs> so somebody really agreed with me there. Uh, and, and so here's the problem, is because of bad experience in the name of the Holy Spirit, people have thought, geesh, Holy Spirit equals flakiness. I don't want the Holy Spirit. What a tragedy, Right? And so I almost want to start off by saying publicly an apology on behalf of church in the past that I'm sorry for anything that has been done by man putting Holy Spirit's name on it that's just been weird and flaky. Um, all the, but, but can we still say instead of rejecting the Holy Spirit to let our, ourselves hit our knees and say, Lord, we want to do it right. We want to follow your precious Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father Jesus died on a cross that we could receive the Holy Spirit and be led and empowered by this Holy Spirit. So in this church, we build on the foundation stone that the Holy Spirit leads us. The Holy Spirit empowers us to do what we're doing. Without that, it's just man-made. And if it's man-made, I'm going back to my previous life. Right? But if it's God, count me in baby. So I, I was once, um, a number of years ago, I'm sure no one in this room can identify with this story. Uh, actually, if you kind of go back, when I first received the Lord into my life, the age of 17, I can remember frequently, as I kind of followed the Lord in obedience, having this gnawing feeling of, is this really real? Like, because I grew up in a first 17 years, uh, excuse me, 17 years of life, where... Um, 
I wasn't living my life in obedience to this voice from that I thought was God in my life, and, and, you know, it takes leaps of faith, and so I would have these thoughts, and as I would mature, as I w- took steps of faith and, and followed the Lord, more and more that voice became more and more distant to where one day I realized, you know what, there's no doubt in my mind that God is real. Absolutely no doubt. My life is consumed by him. Everything that I'm doing is completely founded upon something that he's led me into. My, everything is hinging upon God and what he's speaking to me and the reality that he is real. I don't even struggle to think that he's, uh, whether he exists or, or, or whatnot, or the gospel is real. But there came a point, several years on into ministry, where I hit a, a moment, a season. We, like to, we Christians like to call them seasons. And I hit a season and, um, and it was a season that God had led me into, but it was like I was hemmed in from every side. And it's like, you know how you have major categories of your life? You've got like your marriage, and you've got your kids, and you've got your finances, and you've got your job, all that stuff. It was like, categorically, it was all like chaos. Everything was, was like going wrong. It, not that God was, wasn't with me. It was just like, it was one of those seasons, very difficult. And I remember in a, a particular moment, just feeling emotionally overwhelmed. And I hit this place that for the first time in probably, at that point, 10 years probably, that I actually wondered to myself, within myself, is this really real? What am I doing? What is this? Now, I, 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 I know no one in here has ever thought that. I'm just talking about myself. Foreign thought. Hadn't thought it probably in a full-on decade, probably. And I had this, this thing, and it was like I was going to go through the motions in prayer one morning, as I was having this thought, and it was like that thing in me, and I hope every, every one of you have the same thing. I won't be fake. I'm not going to just go through the motions of this thing wondering, is he even real? Like the foundation of it all. And this thing was like, I have to be real. I've got to be real with, with if he's real, I've got to be real with him. And uh, if he's not real, then I, I'm not going to live my life you know, under the delusion of the opioid of the masses, if you've ever heard that expression. I think that was Karl Marx who said that. Um, just in some religious whatever. And, and so I began to think back. It's like, it's like I began to even just be real with God. God, I'm actually wondering if you're real. And I need to know for sure. So I, I want you to just pause here. Those moments please don't sweep those moments under the carpet with God and just go on in the religious thing. Be real. Be real with us. Be real with him. Because there's, there's a reward. So I just began to reflect as I was being real with him back on how do I know this thing is real. And so I began to remember when I was 17 and I first received him how I know that I, I was not involved in a church where people were telling me how I should feel, how I should live, I know I began to feel on the back end of my receiving Jesus alone in a bed, I know for the first 12 months not knowing one other born-again Christian, person who had confessed to be born again or received him, I began to have a a feeling of, of disgust with things in my life that I used to celebrate, and I began to feel uneasy about it, like it wasn't supposed to be there, and I began to desire things that I'd never desired before, and I knew no man, no woman had taught me these things. It was the reality of the Holy Spirit inside of me. 
and I know that. It's, it's kind of like, no, like Paul, you know, the apostle, knocked off a, a donkey on the way. There was no church service. He didn't come down to the altar and, <laughs> you know, not, trying to, not mocking the song today. He, he didn't do any of those things. He knows he encountered the Lord, and he wasn't even really involved in the church for quite some time. God had, had, had changed his life, and I know that. I know no man taught me to do that because there was no man to teach me. There was, I wasn't in a church. And then I began to think about how in corporate gatherings, uh, I have experienced something of the sense of the presence of God and have been so aware of God doing things and speaking things to my heart and just feel, feeling like he fills the room and then have left that place and spoken to somebody else who is in the room and they experienced the same thing. And, it was, and, and or I've heard people, perhaps the worship leader, in moments like that begins to spontaneously sing words out that aren't a part of the lyrics of the song that capture what God is speaking and it resonates in your heart and it's like the same thing you were feeling in that moment and you know God is in the room. Man can't fabricate those things. And I remember, are you still with me? I remember... In those moments, the, the, the first 12 months of my Christianity, of knowing that no man had taught me anything and I had begun to feel things that the Holy Spirit had put in me, and then later, beyond that point, in corporate gatherings, experience something in the presence of God together where no one can explain that naturally. How do you get a God who is not real to be felt so strongly by people where, they, where two people who weren't talking to each other experience the same thing? How can you do that? You can't. He's real. So I move forward from that moment having this confidence. I know, God, I know that I know that you're real. And even when I approach him, just to remind myself, I'm not just going through motions. I'm, pre I'm, I'm, I'm praying to a God who's real because his Holy Spirit has been sent here. So what, what we want to talk about here over the next couple of minutes is the role of this Holy Spirit who takes what otherwise would just be man-made and makes it into living, powerful kingdom of God manifesting here on earth through us. Cool? One thing. So this is not an exhaustive look at the Holy Spirit in, in Scripture. Just draw some, nailing some, driving some pegs into the ground as far as how we will move forward into our glorious future. First thing, Holy Spirit leads us. He leads us. Secondarily, he reveals truth to us. Now, that's important. It's not just like, oh, I enjoy it when I feel like God's shown me something. It's how the church is built, is when people, you and me, have an experience from the Holy Spirit that he shows us truth. Because the church is built, his purposes are built on truth, and it's only to the degree that we see that truth from the Holy Spirit that we can walk in that truth and thus be who we're called to be, right? He reveals truth, and then thirdly, he empowers us to do the works of Jesus. So if you'll look with me real quick, I just want to read a couple scriptures. You tell me, do you hear a common theme in these scriptures that we're about to share? You tell me. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I'm going to ask you, what, was, what, what did the Holy Spirit do to Jesus? He led him into the wilderness. Romans 8, 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. 
Galatians 5.18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Can you tell me, common theme in these three scriptures, what is the role of the Holy Spirit? One of the roles. Speak it out loud. Come on. To lead us. So I want to pause right here and let's ask ourselves this question as a church and as individuals. Is the Holy Spirit leading me? This is what he does. This is his role. The Holy Spirit is not upon us just to give us goosebumps. I love it if he does, honestly. But that's not primary to who he is. He is here to lead you and me. And if we want these good things of the promise of God, we ought to allow him to have his place of leading us. So I was, there's a well-known preacher. I won't mention his name here, but, but he, was, he had a kind of a ministry... Um, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, itinerary laid up for the, for the year ahead. He was going to maybe like six different nations. Well-known, well-known minister. And um, he really was just excited about these six different nations that he was going to be going to. But then as the time came closer to the point that the itinerary was going to begin, he began to feel one of those nations, I think it was Costa Rica, he just lost all desire to go to, to, go to this nation. And uh, time went on, he, he began to pray about it. And as, he, as time went on, it's like he was excited about these other five countries and just did not know why, had no desire to go to Costa Rica. And so finally, the time was getting quite close, and he really began to pray and ask the Lord. And this thing of uh, Psalms 37.1, Minda referenced it last week, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. He made huge space for God to change his heart to to lead him to whatever, and he still yet had lost all of his desire to go to Costa Rica. So finally he came and said, perhaps God is, is in this situation, and had to call the churches or network of churches in Costa Rica that he was going to go to, let him know, I, maybe the timing's wrong, I just, I've got to cancel. He had to cancel his flight to go there, and when the time came that uh, that flight would have taken off, a connecting flight from Mexico City down to Costa Rica came. That flight that he would have been on actually crashed. Every single passenger involved died. And so, praise God. No. (laughs) So the, the point of the story there, Holy Spirit inside of us wanting to lead us, wanting to give us desires, wanting perhaps in his case to remove desires, wanting us to live a supernatural life where we can avert danger, where we can walk into God's plan and purpose as a sign and a testimony to this world, God dwells inside of us. That's what this world needs. Not we are moral. Right? Not to say we shouldn't be moral, just in case you're wondering. So what do we do about that? I would say this. Ask, seek, and knock. Just a a little tip. What do we do as far as if, if we're serious we want the Holy Spirit to lead us. It really does get down, it always does get down to very simple things. Ask, seek, and knock. In other words, make space, posture your heart to expect the Holy Spirit. So Luke chapter 11, listen to this. Actually, yeah, li- listen to this. So I say to you, Jesus speaking, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. And you say, well, maybe Jesus isn't talking about the Holy Spirit when he says that. He's talking about, you know, like provision or something of that nature. Well, if you'll drop down with me to verse 13, let's look at that. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you 
the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. He wants us to be led by the Spirit of God. It's his desire. That desire pre pre, um, existed before your desire to be led by the Holy Spirit was there. So simply, Jesus is given this very simple instructions. Ask, seek, knock, and you will be able to be led and know the will of your Father through communication that comes to you from the Holy Spirit. And it is precious to, to become familiar with the voice of the, whole, the Father God through the Holy Spirit inside of us. To become familiar where you begin to discern that's the Holy Spirit, that's not the Holy Spirit, and you're able to walk more and more in his will. Do you want that? You know what that means? You don't get to have control anymore. You still want it? Or we can play church and put his, his name on it. And do whatever we want to do and say it was him. Or we can lose control and let him do it. And ask and posture our hearts, God, we need you to lead us. We don't have any confidence in ourselves. We need you to lead us. I'll choose the latter. So another, another role, re- reveal truth. I love this concept. John 16, 13, if you'll read that with me. But when the spirit of truth comes, this is Jesus speaking, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So a couple thoughts that I want to say just about the the revealing of truth. First of all, have you ever, actually, who here has ever seen the, the, the movie or read the book, preferably seen the movie, Lord of the Flies? Anyone old enough to have to say that? Yeah, Lord of the Flies. Of course, there's this group of boys that wind up on an island and they kind of form their own society completely cut off from the adult world and it things get hectic to where at the very end if I, if I remember correctly it's like the kind of heavy set little boy who who like no 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 they killed him with a conch I don't know it's the main character whoever that is they're chasing him with like spears and they're about to kill this kid and they have constructed this weird society that's like death and evil and difficult and right as the kid is running out onto the beaches he falls and you see the boot of like a grown man soldier who's come to rescue them and and the 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 soldier looks and says what are you boys doing like what has happened and it's like this collision of the adult responsible world with this crazy society that has been constructed by being removed from the adult world and the point is is the society that you and I live in is built upon truths or beliefs, I should say, not truths, beliefs that are commonly accepted in society and that forms our norm. Now, do you know that if our society were to come into collision with heaven, there would be angels saying, what in the world are you doing? And I'm not saying like those evil people out there. I'm talking about you and me. Like, what are you doing? Our beliefs, what we believe to be true, formulates our culture. The church is to be the culture of heaven on earth. So that the world would see a city on a hill whose light shines brightly and people who want that light would stream to that light. And us walking in that actually depends upon us seeing truth revealed by the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you this. How many of you want that? Awesome, Kurt. Buddy, let's build the church together. Anybody else? Want to walk in that. 
how does that actually happen? <laughs> Let's, and by the way, to, to actually accept what I'm saying, you have to believe something more than church as we've known it. We're not just pew-sitting. God looks at every single one of us as sons that he wants to confer his business upon. And he wants us to, gener- to have and cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit where he reveals truth to us that we could walk in that and, and live in his life, not just our own. So a couple thoughts about that, just so we can kind of familiarize ourselves with the Holy Spirit revealing truth. Are you ready? One idea of the Holy Spirit revealing truth is that when the Holy Spirit reveals truth, it comes in the context of us looking for truth to be revealed. Does that make sense? It's the same thing about asking to be led by the Holy Spirit. You're, rarely are you led when you're not looking to be led. But the moment your heart says, lead me, Lord, all of a sudden we begin to pick up on his nuances and his leading. Same thing with having truth revealed. Lord, I need to see truth. How many of you have ever read the scripture, by the way, and not done that simple exercise of asking God to speak to you? Anybody ever done that? You just kind of Tick your box, I did my Christian thing and I read my scripture today. But there was no supernatural thing as opposed to, Lord, you are with me. You spoke these words. Speak them into my heart as I read them. I want to hear what you're saying to me. That prayer will open up something totally different, right? So it comes as you're looking to him for revelation with expectation. The Holy Spirit, his revelation when he reveals truth, it comes from within, and it almost feels like your own thoughts. I just want to share these things because we need to be familiar with these things. So it feels like a brilliant idea. I can't wait to share this, but it wasn't really your thought, although that's the way he wants to live inside of us and share himself with you because, in a sense, he gives you those thoughts and makes them yours, and he'll even let you call them yours. Do you know what I'm saying? It feels like your own thoughts, but you can sense, and let me give you a couple other descriptors of of when it's him speaking. It comes with clarity. It's this sense of crystal clarity. You see it, and you know it's right. It comes with peace. You just have a peace. You know it's, it's truth. It feels like dots connecting. It's like truth that you already had revealed begins to connect with other truth, and you start to see dots connecting, a picture being woven inside the eyes of your heart. It oftentimes comes with a sense of the presence of God, the nearness of God, and uh, an inner conviction of it being right. Oftentimes the Holy Spirit will take something that you know, so all of us can quote scripture perhaps, but sometimes he'll take a scripture that we knew and he'll, it's like he breathes life on it to where it becomes alive and illuminated on the inside. That's the Holy Spirit. So we want that. Am I right? And then lastly, he empowers us to do the work of the ministry. You and I, if you so choose, are about to exercise this in the next couple minutes. To be empowered to do the works of the ministry, to allow Jesus to use us. If you'll look with me, Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So Jesus is ascent, he's, he's resurrected in this passage of scripture. He, in his resurrected state, is hanging out with his disciples. And his disciples have all these ideas of like what this means. And one of them asked this, they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Many of you know the, the story here. 
And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Now, take, take note of that word, authority. Um, jurisdiction, the ability to make decisions. God hasn't given you that authority. That's his authority. But he will give you. Sorry, my thing just. But you will receive power. He's kept some things in his own authority, but he will give you power. And the Greek word translated dunamis into power means like the same place that we get the English word dynamite, explosive miracle working power. You're not going to have jurisdiction to decide the times and the seasons, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit has been sent to, to empower us to do the same ministry of Jesus. So I remember one time when I was like a sophomore in college, I was hanging out, and I was and with this guy named Lawton Sack. And uh, that's quite a name, isn't it? Lawton Sack. It's, uh, and so anyways, Lawton was an interesting guy. And, uh, and he was like one of these Southern Baptists down in the Bible Belt. He was a Bible-thumping, you know, Baptist guy. And... and uh, and so we were, but we were having sweet fellowship, and, and we were on like this upper floor of the Russell Union where you would go to have like lunch in, in between classes and stuff like that, and we were just talking. And while we were talking, all these international students showed up. So there were people from Japan and South Korea and some South American countries, and they all were in this like one class. I don't know if they were doing an orientation or what was going on. And they were all sitting there, and we found ourselves surrounded by it. I had the thought in my head, maybe God has arranged this for us to make connections with these people. And so you know what I did? Nothing. Did nothing. And I walked away with Lawton, and, and as we're getting a drink from the water fountain on the way out, Lawton says, you know, I think that we were supposed to, like, talk to those people. I was like, dang it. Ugh. Yeah, you're right. So we walked back, and... Um, and we sat down, and Lawton goes for the jugular. I'm, like, wanting to kind of, you know, maneuver my way in relationally. He, he's, like, something to the effect of, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior kind of thing. It was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> Let's skip the small talk. Anyways, as we're talking, though, we just build up this rapport, and these people are actually interested, and, and it's got this very much feel of this is probably somewhat illegal on a state-funded college campus. I don't know. And the, the teacher who is like, it's now time for them to go into their class, she says, well, this is a very interesting discussion, uh, gentlemen. Would you mind coming in and continuing it in my class with me? And so immediately there was this shift inside of me of like, this has just gotten supernatural, like weird, but like supernatural. Like this does not happen on a college campus in this, in this time and age. And so I, you know, we said, sure. We walk in, and once again, Lawson, I'll never forget it, he starts drawing this diagram to explain the Trinity to people who just arrived here from Japan, and I could tell, like, oh, jeez, this is not gonna, this isn't going well. As he's talking, this thing rises up inside of me. It was like this burning thing inside of me of, the, of what God had done in my life and how I've gone to not feeling like I knew him to knowing him 
And it was like this clarity of what needed to be said. And I remember saying to Lawton, excuse me, Lawton, can I just say, and I started to speak. Now, mind you, it wasn't like I knew I was called to be a preacher or or necessarily like any, or had ever done that before. I started preaching the gospel. And uh, it was like with power, you know what I mean? And it wasn't like, I'm not saying like Pentecostal, it was like, I, it was like God was there, and I had never experienced that before. It was the most amazing thing. Holy Spirit wants to lead us, wants to open up those doors, and wants to cause his, his knowledge to be uh, supernaturally brought into uh, the spaces that otherwise would never have him. And I remember I walked out, and, uh, and, and this other teacher, or I shouldn't say teacher, another professor who had walked in, she, 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 I remember her saying, like looking at Lawton and saying, dang, what just, and she said, it's magic, you know, which, you know, I don't think it was magic, but that was her way of acknowledging we had just stepped into something that was powerful. I don't think she was expecting for, for me to herald things as I did. It was just like some information, but you could tell the ears and the eyes were totally tuned of all those kids in that class. Awesome. We want more of that in your own natural way, in your own life, and in your own spaces. It doesn't have to be what I experienced, but it does have to be in the, in the posture of Holy Spirit is in control, not me. You ready? <laughs> I'm going to ask that again. Are you ready? You want that? I want it. So let me just say this. What he is not, Holy Spirit is not making you do anything. I had total ability to resist his leading in that moment. I would have said no to some awesome thing, and hopefully a lot of kids heard the gospel for the first time in their life could have led to salvation. I don't know. Seeds were definitely planted. That could have never happened if I said no. So when people talk about the Holy Spirit making me do stuff, when it says that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth, the word there for lead actually just means guide. Very gentle concept. He will guide us. He will never usurp your choice. So don't tell me that I ran around the building and uh, the Holy Spirit made me do it. I was unconscious while it happened. Holy Spirit will not do that. And we get into trouble with our name before those who don't know Jesus because we do stuff like that. So, we, so Holy Spirit will never make us do something that, that we don't say yes to. Holy Spirit is not limited to a place or time. Do you know that when, we, when the clock strikes 4 o'clock here, and I know you know this, but when the clock strikes 4 o'clock and our church service begins, that's not the space where the Holy Spirit can now flow. He is ever-present at all times, even when Michael over there is in first campus Martius. Did you know the Holy Spirit even goes in there? He does, because you go in there, and he's inside of you. So he's not limited to space or time. This is not a religion. We do not turn on a God switch, on and off. He lives. (laughs) He does not turn off. We turn him off. And, uh, and he's not just about goosebumps and feelings for feeling's sake. Let me qualify that. I love the feelings that the Holy Spirit gives me as I seek him, or seek the face of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit communicates the love and the feelings and the emotions that God has for me to me. I love it. 
but it's not about that. It's about him revealing truth, leading us, and empowering us. That's what it's for. Amen? Cool? So, a couple things of what does this mean for Border City Church. One would be our attitude. We have to have him. Let's agree on that together. We have to have the Holy Spirit. We have to be led by him. Isaiah 61, this idea of people's hearts being uh, uh, bound up, broken hearts being bound up, people liberated from captivity, people being appointed into their place and becoming a rebuilder of waste places, all hinges upon the first verse of Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Not just the gospel and not just the spirit, it's the gospel and the spirit cause all those things to happen. We must have him. Number two is we make space for him. So again, hats off to, to Jason today. The sense of not being afraid of waiting on the Lord as we worship. As uncomfortable as that can be, because don't you know, we need to get through our song list. Well, do we want the song list or do we want the presence of God to, to touch him more? So we make space for him. Can we do that together? In faith. We have prayer meetings as a church. And it doesn't matter if you're in the United States of America or South Africa or Europe. Across the globe, prayer meetings are not popular. <laughs> the, the, the attendance of a prayer meeting always is far less than what you have on a, on a Sunday. And I've heard once, you know the true number of people in your church by the number of people at a prayer meeting. The, the, why do we do that? Because as a, as a group we need the Holy Spirit, and we seek him together. And yes, Scott and whoever needs to seek them, him privately, but we also need to have spaces where we seek him and emerge out of those places feeling like God has spoken to us as a church family. So we, we do that, and, and uh, obviously we, we, we seek him uh, personally as well. And uh, we are not interested, thirdly out of four things I just want to say about Border City Church in terms of the Holy Spirit— Thirdly, is we're not interested in our own crafty strategies and ideas. So, sometimes the Holy Spirit will give us those, absolutely, but we're not interested in solving problems by our own wit and, and, and design. We want to be led by the Holy Spirit and, um, and be comfortable in that. And then lastly, we believe in the present ministry the gifts of the Holy Spirit that the scriptures speak of. 1 Corinthians 12, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, discerning of spirits, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, healings. We believe in that. We want that. They're not toys. They're actually tools. God's given to, them to, to us to build the church. We need them. And you, perhaps, could be called to operate in them, powerfully in here and amongst this crowd. And out there. Good. Can we stand up? Let me ask you a question. Do you believe this key scripture of our, of our church, Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them who are bound, the, uh, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to appoint to them who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for, uh, for, the, for, um, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of, of heaviness. That, and they shall become rebuilders, or they shall rebuild waste places. Do you believe 
that scripture is relevant to us today. If that is the case, I want you, us all right now to be conscious of that first verse and to consciously even say it to yourself. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Can we say that out loud? The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me. And if you have received Jesus, it, by faith you have received his Holy Spirit. And he is upon you because he wants to anoint you. And when we leave from this place to go in the confidence of knowing the same Holy Spirit that was on Jesus is upon me. I would like us in that confidence right now split up into groups of four or five with those immediately around you. Can we do that real quick? Go ahead and do that. 